So, so excited. Uh, man, I, I just get excited to be in God's house. Anybody else? I love Sunday mornings. I love spending Sunday mornings with you guys. If this is your first time here, I, I know we had a lot of people in the first service. It was their first time. And um, I just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you chose uh, to worship Jesus with us today. This is our sixth Sunday as a church, which is crazy. Uh, it's going by so fast. Yeah, wild. And uh, if you didn't know, uh, we actually leased this space from an amazing church here in Nashville, Tennessee called Legacy Church. And they have been gracious enough to give us a great deal on leasing this space so we can worship. They actually meet about 10 minutes from here in a new building. Um, and I just felt really strongly that today as a church, we're supposed to pray for Legacy Church. Um, for what God's going to do over there. They're in their second service right now, same time as ours. And so we're just going to take 30 seconds and pray for Legacy Church. Is that cool? Amazing. God, thank you so much for what you're doing at Legacy Church. We at Way Church are expectant for what you're going to do today over there. We pray that you would pour out your spirit on them. We pray that lost people would find Christ today, that people who walk into Legacy Church without hope would find hope. They would walk out of there having uh, an encounter with you. We pray for Pastor Lyle, that you would anoint him. You'd get rid of all distractions and possible discouragements. He'd be able to speak boldly of your truth. We pray for their team that are serving today with their time and their giftings, God. We pray you would anoint them, that every conversation that they have, uh, with people who are visiting. It would just be anointed. And um, God, it would just bring you glory. We're so thankful we get to be a part of what you're doing in Nashville, Tennessee. We're so grateful we're not the only church in Nashville, but we get to do this with lots of other churches. And we just pray that our city would look a little bit more like you after today, God. We love you. We thank you for Legacy Church. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. Come on, can we just make some noise for Legacy Church? I feel like it's quiet in here. Legacy Church is amazing. And um, man, we're, we're so excited about what God's doing at our church. Uh, dinner parties, I know they talked about it earlier, but if you haven't signed up for a dinner party, you got to come. Before today, we had 89 people who've signed up to go to a dinner party. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, if you're looking for community, we really think that uh, this is a great place to find it. Um, but it's probably not going to happen on a Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday mornings are amazing. This is the gathering of the saints uh, all throughout the Bible. We're told not to neglect the gathering of the believers, but we're actually supposed to prioritize gathering together, worshiping uh, Jesus and doing life together. But doing life does not happen by sitting next to people during a 70-minute service. It happens by spending time with each other throughout the week. And so uh, we have this saying that we stole from another church, I'm sure, uh, but we think community doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. And so we'd love for you to circle up with us at a dinner party this week and, um, and just find community, make friends at Way Church. And so you can fill out that green card that was in your seat if you want to do that and turn it into the ushers on your way out today. But I'm really excited. If you have your Bibles, why don't you just raise it in the air like you just do care for a second. We're going to be in John 14. We're actually going to read uh, one of my favorite scriptures. This is the scripture that we founded our church on. And if you were here on launch Sunday, we actually looked at a part of this verse. It's, it's John 14, 6. Uh, but this is our church verse. We got a lot of church verses, but this was the first church verse of Way Church. And uh, we're in a series called If Jesus Had a Bio. Today is the last Sunday of this series uh, where we've attempted to look at who the person of Jesus really is, what he really cares about, what he really does. And uh, we phrased it with this kind of you know, maybe it's catchy, maybe it's cheesy, I don't know. The statement of, of if Jesus had a bio, what would it say? 
And uh, we're doing that by looking at his own words about himself. Because if you want to know about me, I would appreciate it if you would ask me about me instead of someone else about me. Because I'm going to tell you the depths of who I am. I'm going to tell you things that maybe someone else can't know secondhand. And so this series, we've been looking at the I am statements of Jesus, where he told the world about himself so that we could better understand who Jesus is, what he wants for our lives and um, how we can serve him. And so uh, we started with Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Then we looked at, I am the light of the world. Then we looked at, I am the good shepherd. Last week, we looked at, I am the true vine. And today we're going back to the verse that we started with on our launch Sunday, where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you were here on Launch Sunday, we focused on the first two parts of that verse. We, we focused on what it looks like for Jesus to be the way and how it leads to not just eternal life, but life here on this earth as well. Today, we're going to be focusing on the middle part of that scripture where Jesus calls himself the truth, which out of all the I am statements, out of all the things that Jesus calls himself, I would argue that Jesus calling himself the truth is actually the most offensive of all the statements. Because he didn't say, I am a truth. He didn't say, I am my truth. He said, I am the truth, which leaves very little room for there to be other truths. The is not plural. Now we're getting into grammar. I am the truth. Not only was this uh, pretty absolute when Jesus said this, but also uh, the, the context of which he's saying this is also pretty important. He's sitting at a table with his disciples, all Jewish men, and he's telling these Jewish men who grew up their entire lives being taught, the only truth that there is comes from the Torah. The only truth that there is comes from the Old Testament. And they're sitting at this table, and now this man is going, it's not just it's not just the Torah. The Torah actually points to me. The Old Testament actually points to me. I am the truth. These are big, big statements. And uh, I told my wife, she's like, what are you preaching about uh, tomorrow at church? And I said, I'm, I'm preaching uh, I am the truth. And she said, are you excited? And I said, yeah, it's a get up in your grill Sunday at Way Church. Uh, because this is, uh, this is a hard topic. And uh, I hope that you'll uh, let me get up in your grill for uh, 22 minutes. And if not, um, you can just email me uh, at maddieheron at gmail.com. That's my wife's name. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask that you'd speak to us through your word. We love you so much. We're so grateful for the gift of community, the gift of uh, your house and, and the local church, getting to follow you. Uh, we don't take it for granted today, the freedom that we have to come and to worship you and um, to read out of uh, the Bible today, God. We know there are a lot of people who don't have that freedom. We know that there are a lot of people around the world who um, are fearing for their safety this morning. And, and so, God, we're just really, really thankful and grateful for uh, the freedom that we get to experience today. We love you. We pray that you would speak to us today through your word. We thank you so much, so, so much for pumpkin patches and hay rides. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I said that out of pain. Uh, I have bad allergies. And uh, we did a hay ride yesterday, which is allergy suicide. I mean, it, I'm struggling today. But, um, Hey, I want to talk to you this morning about lies and uh, just the destruction that can come from a lie. Have you ever been, has anyone ever been lied to? I'm sure all of us have been lied to at some point. And uh, there are very few things that feel not as good as being lied to, right? 
Uh, when my wife and I moved to Nashville about a year ago, we bought a house, and we were super excited about the house, and we, we got here the day before closing, and we started doing the inspection and walking through, making sure everything was good, and we're walking through the house, and one of the first things I noticed about our house is that the driveway is extremely steep. Uh, if you've ever been to our house, you know that you have to have an expert level of fitness to be able to walk up our driveway without losing your your breath, okay? It's, it's very steep. And so I'm standing there with the builder of the house, and I'm like, hey, man, uh, our driveway looks a little steep. Like, I'm nervous about parking on that. So he starts telling me about all these codes and stuff. He's like, no, no, it's good. Code X, Y, Z, 1347 says. And I'm like, oh, okay, great, amazing. Yeah, I love the codes, you know. And so then we walk down to the bottom of the driveway, and, and the way our house sits, it's like the driveway goes down, and then at the bottom of the driveway is our house. And I'm like, man, you know what? Now I'm thinking about the steepness. I'm like, what happens when it rains here? I'm like, the water's just going to come right down the driveway to our house. And the builder of our house, he's like, oh, man, no, don't worry. He's like, look at this little, I built this drain, and there's like this drain that's like this skinny, and it goes across the front of our garage door. And he's like, I built this drain, and code 1472.35 is all about, he's telling me about these drain codes. I'm like, yeah, man, yeah, sounds great. He's like, if you just clean this drain out once a year, you'll be fine. Mark my words. Okay, cool. So three months go by. We're living in the house. We're loving living in Nashville. And uh, it's about Christmas time last year. And I wake up one morning. Um, I'm an early riser. So I got up at like five o'clock in the morning. I, I go make my coffee and uh, I start hearing this noise. And it's the noise. It sounds like the noise of your bathtub filling up. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I don't think it's my wife taking a bubble bath at 517 a.m. You know, I'm like, that's that's peculiar. I can never say that word. I don't know why I tried to, tried to just say that. And so I, I walk outside out, out the back door. And I'm looking around. I'm like, huh, it's not coming from out here. And I look out the side window, not coming from out here. Walk out to the front. When I tell you that our driveway looked like Radnor Lake, I kid you not, there was three feet of standing water it was going into our garage. It's like literally up to the top of my wife's tire in, in, in our garage. Uh, if I was a sailor, the conditions were perfect. Perfect. And, and panic just comes over me because, I mean, what do you do? It's, fi it's 5.17 in the morning. I'm, I'm like stricken with panic, which I've always wondered what it would be like to be stricken with anything. But I knew in that moment I had just been stricken with panic. And so I, I'm in my boxers, too, because <laughs> it's 5.17 in the morning. And it's like 40 degrees outside. And I'm like, I should go put on clothes really quick because I got to get rid of this this water. And then I was like, I don't know if I have time to put on clothes. There might be fish in my living room if I go put on clothes. So I am literally in my driveway with a broom in my boxers. Just picture, actually don't picture it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just sweeping water as fast as I can at 517 in the morning, 40 degrees. And all I can think about is the builder of our house going, clean it once a month. Everything will be fine. He got a strongly worded email that said everything was not fine. Right, because, because when someone tells you a lie, it leads to bad. It leads to destruction. It, it could lead to broken relationships. It could lead to uh, miss, uh, you know, uh, a lack of um, expectations. It can lead to disappointment. It, it can lead to your house possibly floating away. Right? Nobody likes to be told a lie. 
leads to destruction. But I actually think that there is a version of a lie that's way worse than even being told a lie, and it's when you live a lie. It's when you are told a lie and you take it as truth and you start to live as if that lie were true. I think that it's way worse than telling a lie and it's way worse than being told a lie because it destroys little by little the parts of your life that you care the most about. I believe that the greatest threat to our freedom in Jesus Christ this morning, if you're here today and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I believe the greatest threat to your freedom is found in a three-letter word, L-I-E, lie. There are a lot of things that maybe are on our mind more. There are a lot of things that maybe we fear more as followers of Jesus. But I, but I think by looking at God's word today, what we'll see is the greatest threat to our actual freedom of following Jesus actually comes from living lies. This is what the devil has been doing since the very beginning. His primary tactic for destroying people's lives is telling people a lie and getting them to believe it. Lies like this. Hey, it's okay to sleep with them. You guys love each other. I know you guys aren't married, but you're gonna get married one day. Lies like this. Hey, it's okay to look at pornography every once in a while, as long as it's not an addiction. You know, we all have needs and, and you know, you're just, at least you're not doing something worse, right? It could, it could be worse. Hey, that group of friends, they aren't bringing you down. You're bringing them up, you know? You ever told yourself that lie? Hey, that phone in your pocket, it's not an idol. Everybody spends six and a half hours a day on their phone. It's 2023. It's not an idol. It's just, it's just what it is. It's just a part of life in 2023. Jesus actually called the devil the father of lies. He said that when the devil opens up his mouth, that his actual native tongue, his, his language of choice is lying, which means that the devil lies a lot. But it's not just that the devil lies a lot, it's that the devil is really good at lying. And in 2023, one of his cleverest schemes is to dress up lies in cute little phrases that sound really great and look really great on social media, but live horribly. Like, follow your truth. Like, do you. One of my favorite ones uh, is, is uh, just be true to yourself. Because when people say that, I'm like, which version of me should I be true to? You know what I mean? I'm like, 2015, I threw away every pair of Crocs that I owned because they weren't cool. 2023, I got them in four colors. You know, beginning of this year, I was dairy free. Last night, I was dairy queen. <laughs> there are levels to me. Which version of me do you want me to be true to? Right, but this is, what, this is what the devil says. I think um, the most clever of the lies that the devil tells Christians not people who are not Christians, but Christians, is that God's priority in this life is to make you happy. That lie right there is destroying Christian lives. Destroying. I cannot tell you how many people don't even realize that they're buying into this lie that God just wants to make us happy. Maybe you're here and you're, you're like, wait, God doesn't want to make me happy? It's not that God doesn't want you happy, it's just not his priority. Because if you believe that God's whole priority for your life is for you to be happy, you will set up every part of your life around chasing things that make you feel good instead of things that make you more like Jesus. What'll happen is you'll leave the marriage one day because it doesn't feel the way it did on the honeymoon. And, and God's whole thing is to make you happy and that's not making you happy anymore. So, so you'll leave the marriage because it 
doesn't make you happy anymore. You'll leave a church that you loved at the beginning, but, but at the beginning you were, you were being noticed, you were being recognized, and maybe you were getting text messages and invited to certain things, and, and maybe those things go away, the excitement goes away, and, and you'll leave the church, not because God told you to leave the church, but because it lost the excitement. You'll leave the best friendships that you have in your life because your friend will love you enough to tell you the hard truth, and that won't feel good in the moment. And so you'll, you'll cut them off because it didn't feel good. And, and you should be running closer to that friendship because they cared enough to tell you the truth. But because it didn't feel good and God wants to make you happy, you surround yourself with people who only tell you the things that feel good and not the things that will actually cause you to live good. And so you leave and you leave and you leave. And if you aren't careful, you'll look back and you'll go, why does my life look nothing like Jesus? And it was one choice at a time of chasing happiness instead of him. You see, God's priority for your life is not happiness, it's holiness. God desires for you to be holy because he knows that if you pursue holiness and you pursue him, it'll actually lead to your happiness in the long run. Only it won't be an emotion, it will be this thing inside of you called joy that's not dependent on a season or a circumstance or things going your way. It'll be dependent solely on the person of Jesus that you're following and becoming more and more like. Following your feelings and your truth and his truth or her truth, whoever's truth you decide to follow, it leads to destruction. There is only one truth that leads to the freedom that you and I are after. And it is the truth that I was dead in my sin. I was far from God. I couldn't do a thing about it. But God in his infinite mercy and grace sent his only son, Jesus, to live 33 years on this earth. He faced every temptation. He faced every kind of lie. He never fell prey to it. Then he walked to a cross as the ultimate sacrifice for your sin and my sin. He died a sinner's death, a thief's death, a robber's death, and then three days later rose from the grave, proving that even death is a lie through the person of Jesus. That is the truth. It is the only truth. It is nothing but the truth. And it's the only truth that leads to life. But the world says, do you follow your truth? Follow your way? John 14, 6, there were people living the same way. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. What does it mean for truth to be a person. What does it mean for truth not to just be a concept, but to have flesh? It means that if you wanna know the truth, you gotta to get to know the person of Jesus. John 8:32 says this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Truth, freedom, life, eternal life, it all comes from knowing Jesus. It's simple. If you wanna experience what the Bible talks about as freedom, all you have to do is get to know Jesus. So then the question becomes, how do we get to know Jesus? And I would argue that the first place you start is this book, right? How can you expect to get to know someone in a healthy, intimate relationship if you never pay attention to the words they say? Don't elbow your spouse right now. Just keep the elbows in right now. It's not a time. Right? How would you get to know someone without paying attention to their words? How can you get to know Jesus without paying attention to his words? I would say that you can't. I would say if you're trying to get to know Jesus, but you never open up your Bible, what's going to happen is you're going to hear a sermon or a podcast or somebody share parts of Jesus, but you're going to have all these gaps about who Jesus really is. And what will happen is you'll fill those gaps in with culture. You'll fill those gaps in with your truth. 
You'll fill those gaps in with what you think Jesus should be. And you'll, you'll keep going and you'll keep going and you'll look up and your version of Jesus will be totally different than the actual real version of Jesus that's found in this book. So you have to start with God's word. As followers of Jesus, we actually believe that this book is not a philosophy book, that it's not uh, just a historical book, but it's actually the word of God. True Christianity believes that the Bible is inspired by God, not just parts of it, but the whole thing. That when we open up this book, it is God speaking directly to us. Uh, we have a high view of scripture, meaning that when we open up the Bible, we're not going, I wonder if this lives good, if it's good wisdom or good, it's all those things. But we're going, I wonder what God himself wants to say to me right now. That's what we believe about the Bible. It is God speaking to us. 3,800 times in the Old Testament, the Bible, the word of God is referred to as the word of God. Then we get to John chapter one. And uh, one of my favorite scriptures is John chapter one, verse 14. The message translation says it like this. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. So the Old Testament is, is all pointing to Jesus. It, it's the word of God, but then Jesus comes in human form, God in flesh. And it's not just God in flesh, but, but John 1.14 tells us it's the word in flesh. It's the word of God. You know what this tells me? You cannot love Jesus and hate his word. You cannot love Jesus and go, ah, don't love the Bible though, because they're one and the same. Jesus was literally the human form of the word of God. So if you wanna to get to know Jesus, start with the Bible. Now this is extremely controversial in 2023. The Bible is under constant attack in 2023. In fact, uh, I would argue that in America right now, for the most part, in most circles, I think sometimes it's um, maybe a little better where we live in, in Nashville, Tennessee, but, it, but it's getting worse and worse every day. Uh, for the most part, if you say that you believe the Bible or you read the Bible, people look at you as, as being intolerant, as being dumb, as being uh, someone who's gullible. Like, like it's just under attack. But it's not just under attack by people who don't follow Jesus. The Bible is now under attack by people who claim to follow Jesus. Phrases like, well, I know Jesus says that, but that's not what he meant. Well, you know, I know that that part of the Bible says that, but, but that, we, don't have to, we don't have to listen to that part anymore. Well, you, you know, the Bible hasn't been updated in a while and wasn't really taking into account all the things that we have to go through in 2023. So, you know, it's cool to just tweak it a little bit and tweak different things. Can I just warn you that is a dangerous path to walk on? I was meeting with an older Christian, a mentor in my life recently. He said, Noah, there's coming a day where people will set aside the Bible in an attempt to become more like Jesus. They will put the Bible away because they think that by doing that, they're becoming more like Christ. A couple things. I left that meeting going, wait, that day's now. That day is happening right now. There are people who are cool with Jesus who, hate every, who would hate everything that he said if they knew all the things that he said. There are people who go, I'm cool with the way Jesus loved people. I'm cool with the way Jesus included people. I'm cool with the way that people that, that Jesus ran after people who were on the outskirts. But you know what? I'll, I'll just ignore when Jesus rebuked people. I'll ignore when Jesus told people to repent of their sin. I'll ignore when Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. I'll ignore all those things because, because that's not the Jesus that I serve. Well, if it's not the Jesus that you serve, it's not Jesus. If you walked out of this message with one takeaway, it would be this. You cannot separate the word of God from the person of God. 
You cannot separate God's word from Jesus Christ. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain forever. Isaiah 41, the grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Jesus is the truth and his word does not change. I put it this way, your phone needs updating, but the Bible does not. Doesn't. It's the truth, and it's the only truth that leads to life. If you want to get to know the truth, if you want to experience real freedom in Jesus, but you're not reading the Bible, you're not going to get far. You're not going to get far, and you're probably going to have a relationship with Jesus that's built on a lie. So why do so many people hate the truth of God's word? I think it really boils down to one thing, and it's that many people have the wrong definition of freedom. You see, we live in a world right now that looks, as, looks at freedom as, as no restrictions. If you're restricted in any way, then that's not freedom, that's slavery. But if you have no restrictions, that seems to be freedom, right? It started in the garden. In the book of Genesis, remember Eve and, and Satan in the form of the, the serpent talking? What does he say to Eve? Did God really tell you not to eat the fruit of that tree? Did God really say that? And the implication that he's making by the, in this question is why would God restrict you? Why would God be so narrow-minded? Why would God put those rules on your life? Satan's whole goal with these questions in your life and Eve's life is to get us to look at Satan as being pro-choice and God as being restrictive. That's the whole goal. Satan would love that. In fact, that's what he's doing right now. What, what do people think about Christians? All you guys are intolerant. All you guys have so many rules. All, all these constraints on your life. Wow, wow, wow. You guys are the worst. That's a stereotype about Christians. This, the devil's really good at telling this lie to, to most of the world. It, man, freedom. It, it's, it's the lack of restraints, right? This is the definition of freedom for the world. I think we have a slide for it. It's the absence of all constraints and restrictions on our choices. So the fewer restrictions the world says, that's freedom. Can I just be totally transparent with you? That definition is hot garbage. It's not just hot, hot garbage because I disagree with it. It's hot garbage because it doesn't work. Like, I just, let's just go through like a, a, a brief exercise. Um, I love Chick-fil-A, okay? So let's just keep this definition on the screen, guys. Uh, let's say for the next 30 seconds, I believe that this is what freedom is. So. Don't give me any rules. Don't tell me I can't do anything, all right? Here's my first desire that I have. My first desire is that I love Chick-fil-A and I wanna eat it every single meal for the rest of my life. Don't put restrictions on me, okay? Breakfast time, I'm eating chicken minis and hash browns. Lunch time, I'm eating a chicken sandwich with uh, fries and a sweet tea. And dinner time, I'm eating a four count uh, nugget meal, no sauce. I got the sauce, large sweet tea, okay? Uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing it every day. Don't tell me not to, all right? Desire number two is I would love to live till I'm 90 years old and be super healthy and in shape so that my great grandkids and I can go to Tennessee Titans games and church before the Tennessee Titans game. That's a word for somebody. Don't skip church, go to church. We got an early service, 9 a.m., just come on in, and go to the game. Those desires with no restraints do not work because even though it's the Lord's chicken, there are a lot of calories in that chicken. So if I decide to eat Chick-fil-A every meal for the rest of my life, I'm not making it to 90. I can tell myself that all I want, 
But if we don't have restrictions, reality puts restrictions on us. So this definition of freedom, no, re, no restrictions, is actually horrible because what happens is our desires get prohibited no matter what we want. So here's a much better definition for freedom. It's a strategic loss of some choices in order to gain freedom that come from the best choices. That's a real definition of freedom. Think about every form of freedom that you get to experience right now in this life. Think about your freedom just as an American. You know what that was, you know, you know how you came to that? There was a group of people hundreds of years ago who took a strategic, made a strategic choice. Hey, I'm gonna go to war to fight for our freedom. I'm gonna put my life on the line in hopes that my kids and their kids will get to experience religious freedom and other freedoms in this country. It was a strategic choice to sacrifice something so that other people could enjoy something. That's freedom. Think about every, every form of freedom that you get to experience in this life. It requires a strategic loss of something so that you can enjoy something. But the world says, man, the Bible, so restricting. So restricting on sex, so restricting on money, so restricting on happiness. I wanna share a few staggering findings that have come out in 2020, 2021, and 2022 from Barna, Harvard, and Princeton, okay? Only one of those is a Christian organization. Two of them are secular. This is what those three organizations found in their research. Number one, people who do not have sex outside of marriage and only have sex with one partner for life have the highest sex satisfaction rating out of any people group, and it's not even close. I just said sex, and, and, and everyone got super awkward. Um, <laughs> their findings are saying when you treat sex the way that God's word says to treat sex, that you actually have the best sex. Yeah, thank you. That's how I feel too. Okay, all right, next finding, number two. On average, Christians give more money to nonprofits and humanitarian efforts than any other people group in the world by over two times the amount. Man, the Bible's so restricting on money. No. The Bible is actually leading people to live generous lives, not because they have to, but because they want to. Wow, okay, uh, third finding. A marriage between a man and a woman where both people claim to love God uh, has a over two and a half chance higher to not end in, end in divorce than any other type of marriage. A man and a woman where both people claim to love God, it is two and a half times more likely to not end in divorce than any other type of marriage. That's crazy. I mean, like, like, I know that, you know, we live in a world where there's all sorts of, you know, views of, of, of marriage and stuff, but like, I think at the very base level, like, no matter what your background is, people go, divorce is generally bad for families. And yet these, these findings are like, hey, if you don't want to divorce, one man, one, one woman, and, uh, you know, love God. It's like, whoa, okay. All right, next one. People who attend church three times a month, claim to be happier than any other people group. 82% of people who go to church three times a month, 82% claim that they experience happiness, that they are generally happy every day of their life. Like, it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to them, but they wake up and their default is joy and happiness. 82% of people who go to church. You wanna know what, it, uh, what the number was for people who don't go to church three times a week? 27%. Only 27% of people who do not attend church say, I'm happy, generally. 
That is staggering. You know what my takeaway from all, the, all these studies were? There's a bunch of them. I just focused on, on like the sex, money, and uh, you know, happiness thing because that tends to get people's attention. But, but my takeaway is this. When God says no, it's because he has a better yes. When God restricts, it's so that you can be free, so that you can experience the best form of this life. Not, like, like, this is not prosperity. This is biblical principles. It's that if you follow God's way, you experience and understand that he is the truth, and then you get the fruit of the life that comes from following him. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. It's in that order in every single translation of the Bible. You know why? Because when you go the way of Jesus, the truth becomes real. And as the truth becomes real, so does the life that God promises. God wants you to experience life, not just when you get to heaven, but on this earth. And it only happens if you understand what truth is. If you open up this book and you go, you know what? I'm not trying to open up this book and get it to fit the way I look at the world. I'm opening up this book and making the world fit this truth. That's what a follower of Jesus does. Right now, though, as the band comes, we, we live in a world that says it doesn't matter what your truth is because it all goes to the same spot. And uh, that's, that's a lie. You know, I think it sounds like something that's super loving when people go, hey, it doesn't matter what, what your version of truth is, like, there's lots of versions of truth, but it's actually the most unloving thing that you could ever tell somebody. Imagine this, imagine uh, we're at the airport and we're in Tokyo. I'm in Tokyo, I'm in Tokyo. And I don't speak Japanese, I don't read Japanese. I'm in, I'm in Tokyo, I'm trying to get back to Nashville, Tennessee, the best city on earth. Nobody like, nobody even smiled. You guys don't like it here? I love it. All right. Trying to get back to Nashville. And I'm trying to read the signs. Can't read the signs. So I go up to somebody and I say, hey, trying to get back to Nashville. Do you speak English? They're like, yeah, I speak English. Okay, hey, what gate do I go to to get to Nashville? I'm trying to get back to my son's second birthday party. We're going on a hayride. I got allergies, but I want to be there. Can you tell me which gate to go to? And imagine they go, oh, yeah, it's this gate right here, the one closest to us. Gate number 10. Just get on, get on, get on that flight. You'll be good. So I get it. I get on the flight. Imagine that flight lands in Antarctica. You know I'm mad. I'm so mad. Like, like if I get off that flight, I'm going to be mad. One, because I hate the cold. I'm from Tampa, Florida. Okay, we don't do cold in Tampa, Florida. Two, because I'm missing my son's birthday party. You told me to go somewhere. I thought I was going where you told me, but then, but then when I got there, I realized this is not the place that I wanted to go. Now imagine we're back at the airport. I go up to somebody. Antarctica doesn't happen. I say, hey, I'm trying to get to Nashville. Tell me how to get there. And they go, oh, man, you're going to cut it close. But if you go to the other side of the airport, gate 44C, get on that flight. It's going to take you to Nashville, Tennessee. You're going to make your son's birthday party. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be apple cider. It's going to be fantastic. And I get on that flight and it takes me to Nashville. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get off that flight. I'm going to be like, man, you know what? I know I had to, I had to go to the certain gate on the other side of the airport. I, I'm no, I, I know that that was like more stressful than just going to the gate I was standing next to, but I'm so glad that that person told me the truth. Guys, not all truths lead to eternal life. I think sometimes people are so worried about offending people in the short term that they're willing 
to hurt them for eternity by not telling them the truth. The most unloving thing that I could do or that you could do for other people is say, man, just do you, follow your truth. All, you, know, you can worship any God, and if you just worship any God and you're a good person and you live morally well, well, well then you'll just get to go to heaven. That's, that's just not how it works. If you wanna experience eternal life, you have to submit to the one truth. This is what <clears throat> the Bible says in John 17, three, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If you want to experience Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, you've gotta understand that he is the one true God, that your truth and my truth has to submit to his truth, and when we do that, what we actually find out is that the gate that we've gotten on, it's gonna take us where we wanna go. Amen.